The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hanging out on earth is messy under any circumstances. You can take all the organizing classes in the adult ed catalog and there will still be loose ends, the uncontrollable the inexplicable. I wrote that in my book, Living a Charmed Life. Gosh, a whopping 11 years ago. And we have with us today a woman who is absolutely brilliant at doing just that for their personal lives and in their vegan lives. I'm so happy that you're with us today. I am Victoria Moran, host for the Main Street Vegan Program. And that esteemed guest is none other than my wonderful friend and valued colleague, Stephanie Redcross. If you've been around the vegan world very long, you know Stephanie Redcross and her pioneering venture, Vegan Mainstream. Vegan Mainstream was supporting vegan businesses when people said, vegan business? How, how can you have a vegan business? Well, you know what? You can, and we do. And vegan business is one of those many things that is going to change this planet for the better. And Stephanie Red Cross is at the very core and pulse and heartbeat of that. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Program, Stephanie Red Cross Vegan Mainstream. Thank you so much, Victoria, for that amazing introduction. And I'm so excited and happy to be here with you today. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to have you because, you know, a lot of people are are doing things that your clients have been doing for a long time, but they're doing them kind of accidentally. So a lot of people who work regular jobs have been working at home for the past several months because of COVID. People are homeschooling who never thought they would do that. People are coming up with side gigs and things that they hadn't maybe thought about before. And you're just the, the, most brilliant person at sitting down with somebody who sees themselves in one way, like, yes, I have a nine to five job, that's me, and helping them see 
that can be you and soak in these other things. So start out, Stephanie, by just helping us have a little bit of your history and how you transitioned from the corporate world to what you do now and how other people can look at transition without fear. Oh, I love that transition without fear, because I think right now, many of us are challenged with, you know, so much uncertainty. Many of us are trying to navigate the times, navigate the news, navigate everything that it feels like it's coming at us. And I think this is a kind of unique time in the world where there is not only some challenges, there's not only sadness, there's not only places that we can all do better and be better. But there's also this environment where things are shifting and changing. And there's an opportunity for many of us to be empowered about our future. There's an opportunity for many of us to get a little bit of time to rethink about how and what we want our lifestyles to be, what we want our experiences to be. And I think that's what I tried to do when I first made my leap, when I was in corporate America um, and when I was, you know, living kind of the corporate dream. I mean, I loved what I did. I was in marketing. I worked my way up through the ranks. I worked in corporate America, worked for for, um, General Electric for years. And I had the opportunity to not only work in the international space and travel, go to Japan, go to UK, go to all these great countries, work in all these different disciplines. But what was kind of um, great about my experience in time there is I had an opportunity to look at things strategically. I had an idea of what it was like to kind of say, this is where the business is today and where where it should be in the future. And I think that training is something that not only helped me when I had to make that transition, when I was saying, okay, I wanna come out of corporate America and I want to do something I'm passionate about. I want to maybe go into the entrepreneurial space because I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So it's a little bit in my, in my blood. And mm-hmm. what I really had the, I guess, opportunity to do is sit back and say, where do I want to be five and 10 years from now? Now, I couldn't completely predict where I am today is where, um, you know, where I thought I would be. But the idea is I wanted to be empowered to align my career with things I was passionate about, to align my kind of purpose in life and the time I spent at work, which let's face it, that's the majority of our time in the day. Traditionally, you know, the biggest block of money for any of us, our time is our work time. And the idea was, could I blend that together with my passion for veganism? Could I blend that together with how I felt about marketing and business and growth? and expansion? Could I bring together my ideas around if we want the vegan movement to move forward, if we want it to grow, if we want it to ultimately be mainstream, what does that mean? And from my perspective, it meant we needed businesses. It meant we needed options. We needed an opportunity for people who wanted to be vegan, who wanted to use vegan products, who wanted to ensure that there are products on shelves that are not Um, creating the perpetual suffering of animals, we needed people who created businesses. And with that, that meant there was a space, there was an opportunity for me to be a support system for those individuals, for me to be that bridge of maybe bringing in some of my corporate background perspective and ideas and translate that over into a business that supports others. But when I made that transition, it was a little scary. It was a little bit 
you know, I, I wasn't sure where I would land, but what I've realized over the years, and I'm hoping for anyone out there that is in the space right now where they are transforming, they are maybe looking at their career, they're looking at their lives, they're taking this sometimes, in some ways, maybe a little bit quieter time, meaning it's not the hustle and bustle of running errands all day, you know, all the things that we're used to. And we're taking that time and thinking about what you want your career, what you want your lifestyle to be like, what you want your experiences to be, what you want your impact to be on your community, that while it is going to be a transformation, while it will be change, while it will be time of you kind of moving from one chapter of your life to that other chapter of your life, the idea is that you can not only do it without fear, but you can do it with confidence. You can do it with courage because it's an amazing thing when you start to do things you love, when you mm. start to do things where, you know, you get to work with your community. It's amazing when you start to meet amazing people. I mean, like yourself, you know, and I've had the opportunity to not only, you know, we've had a chance to hang out, we've had a chance to collaborate together. We had a chance to do sessions like this today. It's really, I think, an amazing place for many people to be able to start make that alignment and feel like that alignment is really a beautiful place that you're going to and focus on that, not just on the bumpiness that sometimes a transition can have, but remembering your destination, you know, mm -hmm. almost like a vacation destination that that visual that you have the same thing when you're making these types of transitions and transformations is visualize what your life will look like, what that feeling will be, what, what will come available to you. Um, and whether it's time with your family, time with friends, whether it's more time to give back, um, maybe it's time to grow, all of those things are obtainable. Um, the idea is that you really just have to start to visualize it. Mm. I love, Stephanie, when you said it's an amazing thing when you start to do something you love. It absolutely is. I remember when I went on my own, and it was actually because I was fired when I was pregnant with my daughter. And oh, back wow. in those days, yeah, I guess it wasn't against the law <laughs> to say what my boss said to me. I will always remember she said, you are a brilliant writer and a competent editor, but you are clerically inept. It may just be because you're pregnant, but I can't afford to have you back. And of course, I was devastated. Like, oh, wow. oh my goodness, this is so terrible. And what will I do? And I'll have no job and I'll have no livelihood. And she said inept. But the truth is, I am pretty much clerically inept. And the fact that I learned that when I did so that I could focus on what I really am good at has given me just such an amazing gift first to have been able to actually raise my daughter and, and be with her the whole time and write all these books and be talking to you today. So just because something looks bad doesn't mean it is. But I want to ask you, Stephanie, you talked about the five-year plan, the 10-year plan. I hear from so many people now saying things are so uncertain. It's hard to make a five-month plan. What would you say to that? Well, I think there's two pieces to that puzzle. We were talking about the destination, the dream, where you want to be. I think it's important to know what you're working so hard for. So that, that dream, that destination should be out there. But we always have to take a dream. We always have to take 
something that we're working towards and put it in perspective. We have to bring it back to what does it mean day to day? What does it mean this week? What does it mean next month? So I'm not necessarily saying that you can chart everything out. And I 100% agree. Right now, things are very volatile. And sometimes, in some ways, things are changing at a rapid pace. And some of it is there's a, there's a good current of things that are happening as well. So I don't want people to always think that all the change is negative and bad. Sometimes you have to go through that friction of change. Um, because the undercurrent of goodness is happening too. It just, it needs a little bit of time. It's kind of like watching a plant grow. It's got to like bust through the dirt <laughs> to actually get to the sunlight and grow. Um, but the idea is when you're thinking about what do I do now, you always want to have that picture of where you're going so that you don't get off course. So yes, you have to bring that down and say, well, what am I going to do today? If I'm thinking about making that transition, what does it look like? And that doesn't mean everyone has to make that transition tomorrow. I'm not advocating that, you know, everyone quit their jobs. <laughs> We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I mean, for me, I made the big jump. And if I had to do it all over again, I would have made a more gradual walk towards being an entrepreneur, I would have maybe kept a job or been part-time or something like that. I would highly, um, if I had to do it all over again. So I think the key here is starting to figure out this month, what do you want to commit to, to get you on that path? What are the things that you should be doing to get you there? So even if it's something as simple as, you know, I just want to start telling my story. I want to start sharing what I've done and the transformation I've made. Then how will you do that? How do you want to get it done? Do you want to write some articles? Do you want to go live? What does that look like? And I think making it tangible on what you would be doing in the here and now are those critical steps that can get you maybe to that destination or an adjacent destination, because sometimes the adjacent destination is actually the better destination. <laughs> but the idea of just starting now and making some of those two-week, one-week, 30-day commitments to ourselves, I think it's just a beautiful place to start. That is a beautiful place to start. So for people who find themselves at home right now, whether they're in business for themselves or whether they're doing their regular job in a different way, do you have some tips for people who aren't going out to the office Absolutely. And <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, even if you're just taking care of family in the house, I really think the world has changed so much that we really should be spending some time kind of reevaluating our day and reevaluating how we manage our day. I think that's even like the first step of empowerment in our lives is that if you had a day, if you had 24 hours, the question is, what would you do with it? Like, how would you use that time? And how would you use that time to nurture your family? How would you use that time to nurture yourself? How would you use that time? If you have to work, where is that work time and where are those hours? And then also, where are those times to like rebuild? You know, where are those times to rejuvenate yourself? Where are those times to get kind of that energy back into your life? And I really think it's so important that people 
create a schedule. Now, I know not everyone's like a big planner out there and some people are like, I want to live in the moment. Um, and I don't want people to feel like everything has to have like crazy structure to it. But I've found I'm becoming more and more productive when I start to commit to myself to do certain things to manage my day. And I don't know, Victoria, do you have a, a daily regimen or a oh. daily schedule that you stick to? I, I have a daily schedule that is almost religious, and I've been using an electronic calendar for several years, but I found myself during this time of COVID really missing my Franklin planner, really missing the hand to the pen to the paper kind of thing. <laughs> so while I still have the electronic calendar with all the stuff on it and the Zoom links and things like that, I also have my paper planner where I can journal and, and kind of schedule the day, not just at 930, you do this at 1130, you do that, but really write about what does that 930 thing mean? How does it connect to the rest of my life? So yes, to answer your question. And what do you do? I do something similar. I have like blocks of time that I do certain things. And they're not so much hard coded, like you said, I mean, I have a meeting at one o'clock or three o'clock. That's a little bit separate, but there's certain times that I want to eat around a certain time of the day. Um, I want to do things like in my morning, my morning ritual is probably like the biggest thing I've been working on lately. And I guess I want to say to a lot of people out there is keep it fluid. Like I love schedules, but find what works for you, but also remember that you're growing. And that's the thing I think that for a lot of us, we forget that we're supposed to grow, that we're not supposed to put like one structure in place forever. Because when all of this happened, I wanted to exercise more. I wanted to get out more, but I wasn't sure what that was like. So I started walking. So my mom and I would walk in the morning and we walked for like 30 minutes, which was cool, which was really a lot of fun. But we would walk at like nine o'clock. And by the time I walked, I came home, I ate it was starting to conflict with my work schedule. So I started to have like this fight between the personal stuff I wanted to do and my work stuff. And what I realized is make space for those things. And what I committed to doing, which sounds like such a simple, small thing to change, is I said, get up earlier. And also I live in Florida, so it's like crazy hot here. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't want to put a whole bunch of like sunblock on and all this stuff to be able to walk so late. So now we walk at seven o'clock in the morning. And now I just go to bed at a different time because it's important to me to have that time. And now because I shifted my workout times to a little bit earlier in the day, I have time to walk. And I did that for like months. And then now I'm on this like new challenge. Oh my goodness, Victoria, I'm into spinning at home. <laughs> so I get on my little spin bike. I got my little spin shoes. <laughs> I got my water, my headphones and everything. And now I'm spinning. And I first started with like 20 minutes a day and now I'm working up to 30 minutes a day. And now my new challenge is, can I do 30 days straight? So I'm on day 20. I think I'm on day Ooh. 20. I'm going to check my app. <laughs> um, but these are things that I'm, I'm saying to people that I grew into it over time. I just started with walking. Then I started walking at seven o'clock and then I added the spin and it allowed me to truly not, not have it as a perfect plan in the beginning, not think it had to be like etched out. It was just that I wanted to have a morning piece of my day that was mine and I could work out. I could walk. I spend time with my mother. Um, we get, we get watermelon after we work out. So that's like our 
hydration kind of machine and process. And I was just adding things that allowed me to say, first thing in my day, I take care of Stephanie before I donate the rest of my day to my clients and to everyone else. I love the words you choose that that you donate the rest of your day to to others. This makes so much sense. I'm going to be announcing at the break about um, a retreat that I'm going to be offering online, which is Acing Age with Ayurveda. And one of the very first Ayurvedic suggestions is to have this this daily routine, the most important part being in the morning. So it's just what, what you have figured out. And some people, they just say, but I'm a night person. What do you say to them? Well, two things. I don't have a problem with having a night routine. I think that's a great thing as well. Um, I think first find the time that does, at least in my opinion, I think you find the time that works for you. We're not trying to, I think, put people in a box and say it has to be this time or that time. The reason I like the morning is to me, it sets my day up. It sets a different mentality in my day. Cause I used to just like grab my phone from under my pillow. I hate to admit it to all of your followers. Sorry, do that. <laughs> And I start checking my email and seeing if anything's on fire. And I jump out of bed and I used to run into my office and then I just start working. And what it taught me or what I would, the habit I was creating was get it done. It needs me. I got to, you know, I was acting like I was, you know, I had to put out the fire. I had to pull in the fire truck. (laughs) The idea is instead of that, I had to change my mindset. And I really had to say that for me to be my best, I needed time to be strong. I needed time to think. I need time to pull back. I need time to rev up. So whether you're a night person, then just flip your routine and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work at night, then flip it to the morning. Test it out and start to find something that works for you. Some people, maybe it's an afternoon thing. You really need an afternoon break. It's all about finding what works for you. But also I think it's about like the commitment. I think it's a practice of learning how to make a commitment to yourself and sticking to it. Because if we even make the bridge over to the entrepreneurial world, the challenge in the entrepreneurial world is, you know, you set your own deadlines and nobody knows you messed them. So you say that has to be done by two o'clock on Thursday and you don't do it. Yeah, those deadlines don't become real. You don't have this accountability sometimes to yourself. So I really think the same thing really applies as we are taking care, better care of ourselves maybe these days, as we're getting a glimpse into the lives that we, lit, that we lived that were so, so busy before that we were just running from task to task to activity to activity, that is such a great opportunity now to rethink that, whether it's morning, whether it's evening, whether it's afternoon, and make a commitment to yourself to care for yourself. And not just that. The reason I like to start with myself, it's not a selfish thing. It's I want to be stronger for everybody else in my family. Plus, I want to lead by example. How do I look wagging my finger at everyone and saying, oh, you should take care of yourself. And I'm getting two hours of sleep at night. And, you know, I'm dragging out of bed and, you know, I'm grumpy because this and this happened. The idea is I want to make sure that I am living the life that I say I want to live I got to be a part of that in action. It can't just be an idea in my head or a concept. It has to be something that I do. 
Oh, so inspiring. And I know that you do something really cool with your niece. What's that all about? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I had been reading online about how people are, you know, creating connections, how people are keeping kind of that family um, feeling going, especially while we're all doing a lot of social distancing, while we're not maybe able to travel and see each other as much. So when all of this happened, the pandemic um, kind of hit um, in March. Um, at the time, my niece was in Memphis. Um, and oh, I got to give a shout out. I'm so excited about her. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before, Victoria, but she is studying to be a dietitian. So she's mm-hmm. vegan, plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just finished her internship and she's getting her first job, um, this fall. So I'm all excited and really just proud of her. Um, but you know, I just was excited that we're going to have another vegan plant-based dietitian in the world. Yeah. (laughs) But our thing is we cook together. So every Sunday we pick a recipe in the beginning, we were really like, overzealous you know we had like three recipes so sometimes we were cooking for like three four hours and and making everything that we found now we get it down to about a recipe and maybe like a side dish and what we do is cook together and we're in totally different locations so we either grab my cell phone and we just use facetime i say that because it can be really simple for people out there i don't want you to feel like you have to use like a ton of tech if you're thinking about doing something like this Um, or you can use Zoom. And I just set it up in the kitchen. Sometimes I use my laptop, so I just put it on the counter if I'm using um, something like um, Zoom. And we literally make the dishes in our own homes together. So we're cooking, we're chopping. If we read something in a recipe, it's like, did you do that? Or did you try this? Or what did you substitute this or that for? So it becomes not only something we're doing together, but something we can discuss. And then, you know, it's funny, like we have the same recipe and they don't always turn out the same. <laughs> so my hers would be crispier, mine's a little bit not, hers is browner, mine's this or that. So it's fun because you also see the difference. Um, my mother started to get involved as well. My mom eats a lot more gluten-free um, and she doesn't eat um, like garlic and onions. So we'll, so we'll either find a recipe that can cater or she'll take the recipe and adapt it. So now we're making the same recipe in three different ways and it's pulling everybody in. It's a way for us to connect. It's a way for us to share our experiences. It's a way for us to discover new foods because that's the other challenge. Like food is so interesting these days. You know, I'm getting, I get a box delivered. I don't know how you're doing your veggies in in New York, but I get like one of those like misfit boxes delivered to me. Oh uh, yeah, my daughter does that. My you, you mentioned a challenge. My challenge is that we're going to be cut off in about 10 seconds. So oh. hold the thought and then after the break we're going to get very entrepreneurial in the wonderful world of vegan business. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and learning all about how to be an entrepreneur and take great care of yourself in these odd times and every day of your very precious life. If you are new to the program, you can find out more about everything that goes on in the world of Main Street Vegan at our website, MainStreetVegan.net. We have an academy that trains vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. And of course, we're doing that on Zoom now and uh, next year, hopefully in person as well. Uh, a blog, a, a film. Uh, if you haven't seen A Prayer for Compassion, that's a beautiful film that I was lead producer on last year. And it is to interest people who identify as religious or spiritual in looking at the vegan way of seeing things. And also, I want to let you know about something coming up that I am so excited about. It's going to be happening September 26th and 27th, and it is an online retreat on Zoom, of course, called Acing Age with Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is an Indian healthcare system that grew up alongside yoga. Dr. Deepak Chopra uh, came from that tradition, and it is still recognized today by the World Health Organization as a viable uh, healing modality, a viable medical system. But we're not going to be thinking about medical systems. We're going to be thinking about self-care and how we can take two delightful days for an actual at-home retreat and learn more about our Ourselves, our body types, and some of these amazing things that really make a difference. So some people say, well, it's acing age. How old do I have to be? The exact age that you are right now. It doesn't matter if you're 35 or, or 69. I'll say 69 because I'm 70. Maybe you don't want to be older than me and learn from a young whippersnapper. But do uh, check us out, tinyurl.com slash retreat, And we'll put that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Also, our wonderful guest, Stephanie Redcross, has a business that sounds a little bit like mine. Now, she had hers first, and I will always remember, Stephanie, calling you kind of nervous and asking if you minded that I was going to be Main Street Vegan since you were already vegan mainstream. And you took a few seconds and you said, you know, I think that's going to be just fine. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I think it has been just fine. And if anybody ever confuses me with anybody, I want it to be with you. So uh, her website is veganmainstream.com. And when you go there, you're going to find courses and a podcast and one-on-one -on -one help. There's just so much going on with Stephanie. So finish your thought from before the break. You were talking about food and then give us a little rundown on vegan mainstream. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about food. And I guess the reason I was jumping into the food piece, especially since as vegans, it is a large portion of um, not only where we like to play and have fun, but how we like to, you know, um, really make sure we, we eat those nutrition packed meals is by doing things like having cook-alongs, cooking with my niece, it really has helped me explore new products, explore new cuisines, cook things in different ways, and really diversify my plate. Um, you know what happens, I think, sometimes is you, you fall in love with the veggies that you, you love and the flavors that you love, 
But by doing this kind of challenge with my niece, I've really been able to expand and also just make food a little bit less tactical. Um, Because, you know, when you're working, you're just like, got to get that meal in, just got to get that done. Now it's bringing a little bit of that fun back into the experience, especially since I've been a vegan so long. You know, I went vegan in 2005. So, you know, you, you sometimes fall into those routines and it's nice now that I'm, I'm going through that exploration process again. So cool. Well, maybe one of these days we'll have to cook something together, something short, because I know we're both busy. So now let's talk a little bit about vegan mainstream, because if somebody does have a vegan business, if they're even thinking about having one, they can get so much help from you. I know you have a lot of, of free help and then you have a lot of real serious business help. So tell us what's over there. Yep. So what we try to do is offer a few things that help people get started. If you're thinking about running a business, have started your business, or maybe even like on and off. You did it for a little while, came back to it, you're coming back to it again now. Whatever stage you're in, what we want to do is make sure that you have some tools to do a couple of things. I want to have some things that inspire you, that keep you motivated, that keep you kind of on this path of building that business that you had dreamed of, no matter how much time it may take you to ultimately get there. So we're using things like writing blog posts. I write a lot of articles for magazines. um, And one of our kind of new ventures that we've been doing this year um, with everything going on is kind of tiptoeing into the podcast space, um, as well as I do a lot of live sessions. I actually do three live sessions a week now. Um, One of them um, is just me kind of talking and giving people advice, talking about maybe the more mental, emotional, kind of the internal kind of feelings we have about a business and how do we manage through that. Um, I talked one time, one of my titles was, you know, how do you market when the world's in pain? Um, because I think that's a, it's a real thing and a hard thing to, to figure out. So we try to have some of those kind of topics where we're trying to, we're feeling something, um, even though we need to keep running our businesses. Um, and then I do some fun work where we interview people. They're really short segments and we just talk about the idea of people pivoting and how they're pivoting in this environment. And it's been great because I'm learning what people are doing. I've also been exposed to just some amazing people. And we can talk about today if we, we don't run out of time. Um, but, um, you know, individuals worldwide that are doing things, um, you know, where someone's running like, you know, an eight chain vegan business in in um, in Poland and how they've adapted to the change. So, you know, it's been really exciting to be able to get that business perspective all over the world and what people are doing. And then we do really fun stuff like we do webinars once a month. Um, They're all completely free. We do them as like a Zoom session. So it's really interactive. I broadcast some of it so people can watch it. But anyone who comes into the Zoom session, we do a session at the end that's much more interactive Q&A session which is so much fun because I can put people in the hot seat. I can share my screen. I can show things. And it really becomes a more dynamic kind of um, sharing, kind of workshoppy kind of feel at the end of our um, of our webinars. And we try to do as much, I try to do as much as I can to make sure that people can tap into them. So our webinars, you can jump on our website and watch a replay or sign up at any time for it. And we try to get as many free options out to people as well. 
But when you want to go deeper, when you're ready for the tactical side of how to launch something, um, whether you're taking your offline cooking classes and you want to bring them online, whether you were a coach and you were doing a lot of that offline, you now you want to bring coaching into that more that digital space and how do you make that transition? Or if you were even half and half, a little bit digital, a little bit offline, how do you move online? What we're starting to do is develop courses for people that really is responding to the times. We even have a course that's called um, Building Resilience. Um, the idea of how do you financially get your business back on track so that you can really kind of get on a new roadmap to profitability in this new environment. And that roadmap may take some time to get there, but how do you draft that? How do you start to understand what that means and what that looks like? So what we're trying to do is create those courses that not only give people training and information online, but we couple it with these like live sessions. And I'm doing one right now, which is really kind of fun, Victoria. It's really a little bit wild because it's a little different than what I've done before. And like we have the course, all the materials online, but I do these live sessions and we do like a live session. Um, I'm doing them like twice a week right now, then they'll move to weekly. But we do this live session and I don't know how you do your Zoom calls normally, but in the live sessions, I always come up with something like different to do. So the session we did yesterday, which was a lot of fun, I learned this technique from my spin class where one of the guys do, does this thing where he talks about breathe in courage and breathe out doubt, which I thought was such a, it's just a great, not only visual, but it's a reminder how much you have to pull in the things that are so important to you, like courage. Because you need the courage in your business when you're making changes. You need the courage in your business to try something that's hard. You need the courage to really kind of, you know, make those shifts in your business. And you need to let go of the doubt so you'll move forward. So we did a little like mini breathing exercise in the beginning of the class. And we all did it together and closed our eyes. You know, I'm breathing. I'm making all this noise and breath. And it like set the stage of a Zoom call. It made the Zoom call a totally different experience because we use something to get us all in a certain headspace. And that's been really fun about these classes and really the way we've been trying to do things differently is that it's not just about pulling up a PowerPoint, not about just saying, okay, in social media marketing, this is what you need to do. This is how you get the likes. It's really about um, giving people you know, making people feel like they can do what they need to do um, to build these amazing businesses, helping people know that it's okay, that there's some struggle in it, but that we're all together. And also the thing we try to do in a lot of these calls, which I think is a lot of fun, is um, we troubleshoot. So I do a lot of like, well, what's the problem? What are you trying to do? We were talking about how to do polls and Zoom calls. And people are like, you can do polls? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm sharing my screen. I'm showing them how to click the buttons. And we're setting it up and we're doing a live poll. And I'm like, how many people have ever done a poll? And I'm like, raise your hand. So we use the raise the hand. There's the functionality in it. But I love when people physically raise their hand because it's more interactive. Um, so people are raising their hands and only like two people raised their hands. So then I taught them on the fly how to create a poll and they loved it because they got to participate in it. I got to show them how to do it. They got to click on the poll themselves and now it's something they can apply in their business. And it, it may sound like small 
it may be like a pole. Come on, Stephanie, that's not the, <laughs> is that really the cutting edge thing that you're teaching? But what I found from that, and it was also a good learning for me, is that people want their classes to feel like there's a connection. Mm-hmm. People want these classes to not feel like I'm on this camera, I can't reach out and touch you. So the more we can do where you put up a fun poll and people can vote on what you do next. Maybe if you're going to do a cook-along class, you prepare, prepare two recipes and you let people vote and you do the recipe that the group votes for. Now you're creating this like choose your own adventure feeling in an online course. People feel involved. They feel like they're, you know, charting the course. You can even quiz them on like numbers, like, you know, how many vegans are there in the U.S.? Or, you know, how much protein is in broccoli? And those types of things, now you're using something as simple as a poll to get people excited, feel like they're part of the process um, and create an experience. And that's what we've been trying to do in our own courses but also teach people how they can do that themselves. Oh, that is so cool. And I know you do it brilliantly. So you said something, it was was something that you did recently that I would really appreciate if you would address. You you did, I think you said it was a, a live about how do you market to people in pain? I think this is so important, not just for people in business, but activists. How how does one get the vegan message out there? The animals are in the same circumstance that they've always been in, and yet it's a little bit harder to get people to to move their thoughts over there because there's a lot happening over here. So help us out, Stephanie. Well, a couple of things that we talked about when we did this section about, you know, how to market when, and I kind of said the world's in pain because the challenge is so many of us are feeling pain for different reasons mm-hmm. and for different things. Some of it is something that maybe directly impacted me, something that directed my community, or even someone maybe in our family is struggling through COVID, someone is struggling through all of these things that are happening in the world. And what I'm hoping that I think people should do from a marketing standpoint is that they learn that we have to feel that emotion. We have to connect to that emotion first. And we have to connect to it in ourselves. I think sometimes we think we have to put up these like brave faces or we have to do this environment where we, you know, pretend that it's not too bad, it's not too rough, it's not too much of an issue. And I think we have to recognize the challenges that we're all feeling. We have to recognize how the world is struggling and then address through that struggle, through that pain, How do we use that to drive change? How do we drive change in our community? How do we drive change in our everyday lives? And how can people make some of those differences? Because I think sometimes when the headlines are rolling, when the problems just feel like they're they're just stacking up, it feels like we don't know where to act. We don't know what to do. We don't know what we can do. And I think as activists out there, We have to remind people of not just the problem, but help people understand the steps they can take, even if they feel small, even if there are the baby steps sometimes, as we say, because once you start to make that one step, once you start the process, once you start to get going, you can do more. You can make a bigger impact. You can make more happen. 
but we all got to start somewhere. And I think as activists, we have to ignite that flame again. We have to help people. And also, one other thing I mentioned is that we don't have to fight one fight, one way, one piece of injustice. What we should be able to do is work on multiple things. We should be able to drive. Now, I don't want us to, I think there's been a little bit of mistakes we've made in um, in some of our communities where we've compounded issues. We've started mm-hmm. to try to bring things together and they're not one issue. They're not one message or one way. They are different challenges that require different solutions and different support. And some of them, the reason they are systemic problems, um, we have to deal with the root of those problems first. Um, and those roots of those problems are very different. You know, when we're thinking about the animal rights movement versus Black Lives Matter movement, they're very different. We cannot bring those two together. But what we can do is we can support both. We can be advocates. We can make sure in our lives and our actions and in our decisions that we are making changes to support other communities, support groups that voices where voices are being muted. We can do things where we are showing that we take our compassion outside of our immediate circle and bring that com- compassion, that message, that support to other communities. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us have to remind ourselves of why we are advocates for others, why we are people who want to speak for the voiceless. And we have to remember that we have to do that for multiple communities and multiple groups, because that's the core of who we are. Um, and I think that's the, that's the key when we're thinking about who we are, how we market, and how we approach things. Mm, beautiful. Now, you said during the break that it, right now is actually a great opportunity for business and vegan business. And I think if you went out on the street or on Zoom and did a poll, (laughs) you might not get a lot of agreement on that. So why do you say it? Well, I say that for a couple of different reasons. A lot of people are in a change mode. A lot of people are understanding that they need to do better and be better. So when people are more connected to that idea, they are more willing to take a leap. They're more willing to try things try something different. So if you're trying to get or thinking about coaching people, helping people make that transition to the lifestyle, to the vegan lifestyle, this is a great time to do it. Because for many people, they have more of those resources to support themselves. If they're working from home, it's a little bit easier for them to cook. It's a little bit easier for them to prepare some of these meals because they don't need them maybe in the to-go travel. You know, people aren't getting on planes. They aren't doing some of the things, um, in least the volume that we were doing before. So therefore, it's creating space and opportunity for people to make some of these transitions and get the support that they need. The other thing that's kind of wild is the tech. You know, the tech for online training and teaching used to be a headache. I mean, it used to be that everyone was like, oh, where's that button? How do I get this to work? You know, can you see me? Can you see me? (laughs) And, And while, I mean, everyone can have, you know, a tech moment. I even have those as well. That now people are getting more and more really comfortable with using tools like Zoom. 
So if you wanted to transition to the online space for teaching, for coaching, for training, for support, and it can be support for products. I don't want to make it sound like these are only service-based businesses. If you sell vegan makeup, if you did training and taught people not only how to prepare and put their makeup on for Zoom sessions, if you taught people how to or what they should do, what type of looks that look good for these types of you know sessions where we're all in artificial lighting and all of this all day, you could create a spinoff service off of the products that you sell like vegan makeup and help people buy the makeup from you and learn how to use it and apply it. So there's so many great ways I think for businesses to expand. Um, businesses are starting to go online, do more retail online. A lot of people are shopping more online. They're expecting things to be delivered to them. So where we were maybe desiring a lot of our vegan products to be within reach in the store, many people are comfortable with getting those items shipped to them. Now, yes, we have some challenges with our carbon footprint these days, so we got to figure that out. But I definitely feel like from a business standpoint, there are worlds that are opening up for people and especially anyone who thought in the past that it wouldn't work unless I was in XYZ store. Today, you can sell your product online. People are willing to buy it online, try it online, get it shipped to them. Um, and that kind of kind of new channels or I shouldn't say new channels because it's not like you couldn't do it before, but those that willingness of the consumer to buy on individual company sites, not just on those like sites that sell everything together. People are more willing to do that now and do that research that I think it creates a huge opportunity for businesses out there and opportunities for businesses to develop these digital channels. So when we can do maybe the channels you had before, now you have a dynamic business. Um, you know, it's I, I interviewed, when I interviewed, um, um, the person that had the um, vegan businesses in um, in Poland, um, it's called Telluride, um, um, Urban Telluride, uh, Tel Aviv, excuse me, Urban Tel Aviv. Um, one thing that she mentioned, she said, when I had the restaurant in the beginning, we were like, delivery service was just an annoyance. Like it was, it was just, it was, it was like, ah, oh, delivery is just so hard because we're, we got all the customers in here. People love it. It's a disruption in the kitchen where now she switched to delivery service and curbside pickup and delivery is working so well that as you know, people are getting back to restaurants, as people are coming into the restaurant, now her business has two dynamic channels to drive revenue. And I think that's one of the ways if we put our entrepreneurial and our business hats on is realize that now is the time to, de to develop that digital channel or that digital version of your business. So now you have two options, in a sense, in your business to help generate revenue. Ooh. So, Stephanie, what in the big picture is the promise of vegan business? Why should people be getting into them? Why should people be supporting them? Well, I think there's a couple of different promises in there. The biggest thing that I love is vegan businesses definitely impact the amount of really the usage of animals and products in the world and not just in the immediate products but in a lot of the byproducts that are out there in the world so the more we put vegan alternatives out in the market the more animals we can save just number one hands down 
The other thing that happens is even if you don't create a product-based business or a food-based business, one of the things that I think is a not discussed enough about benefit of having a vegan business and supporting vegan businesses is vegan businesses can ultimately drive jobs. Vegan businesses can create opportunities for other vegans to have careers. So if you can employ other vegans and give them that career opportunity, we're creating a trajectory where we're bringing revenue and money into the vegan community. We're helping people have jobs, have careers, work in companies that are aligned with their ethics. So the more that we can build a community, the more that we can build an opportunity for others to have careers around what they're passionate about, I really think can drive the movement just light years forward. I love how you think. You think big and you think vegan, and that's a really good combination. Stephanie Redcross, veganmainstream.com. Everybody check her out. She is amazing, and you are amazing. Thank you so much for being part of the Main Street Vegan Podcast family. God bless you. Eat your veggies. And you know what? I I erred. <laughs> okay, guys. I don't know that this has happened before, but it's happened now. I stopped a minute too early. So I guess that is going to give me the opportunity to tell you a couple of things that are going to be coming up in the future on the Main Street Vegan podcast. We always aim to please and coming up for you next week. Da, 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 da. Is, uh, ah, John Lewis, the badass vegan with his fabulous new film, They're Trying to Kill Us, and also a new Jewish holiday for animals. Join us. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.